When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. A few weeks ago, some stork babies made the news as the first white stork chicks to hatch in the UK for over 600 years. Now, despite the very long gap, here in the UK, a legacy of these large, white, migratory birds has persisted. I'm Eva Higginbotham, and I spoke to Dr Alexander Lees, Senior Lecturer in Conservation Biology at Manchester Metropolitan University, about the new arrivals, monogamous dating for storks, and the history of white storks in Europe. Big news this spring was the successful hatching of stork chicks on the Nep estate in Sussex. So this is the first successful breeding of white storks in the UK since 1416, when a pair nested on St Giles Cathedral in, in Edinburgh. And these white storks were part of a large uh, reintroduction project by a consortium of different large landowners and conservation charities of white storks into southern Britain. So are storks native to the UK? That's a slightly controversial question. Most people believe yes. Some naysayers believe no. It seems likely that white storks were always something of a peripheral species in the UK because they're more of a southern European species. But there's archaeological evidence of the presence of storks in the UK. So bones from all the way from the Isles of Scilly to Shetland, you know, some dating back to sort of late glacial period, you know, 40,000 years ago and, and others, you know, uh, from as recently as the Bronze Age. We know that there's a cultural legacy of storks in the UK. So various place names are basically taken from storks. So we have Stalker Stone and Storwood and Storgelond, which sort of speaks to this historical presence of storks in these localities. And then we have these sort of periodic visits by storks. Uh, and as a species, it has declined massively in Europe. Uh, and then it's been subsequently reintroduced to various northern European countries very successfully in, in northern France and Holland, Belgium and Sweden, etc. And are they an important species within their habitat? So they're something of a sort of a generalist predator, if you like, not necessarily massively important as like a keystone species, perhaps. But as conservation biologists, we, we view storks as what we might call an umbrella species. So an umbrella species is, is a species which kind of captures uh, the, the sort of public imagination and then acts as a catalyst for conservation because essentially to have storks and you have to have enough habitats, sort of enough wetland areas and a land which is producing lots of prey items for storks. And by default, then, presumably you've got lots of those prey items and lots of nice habitat, which other species can utilise as well. So are they quite social animals, storks? Yeah, so white storks are highly social. We often encounter them in large flocks. Partly that might be because, you know, the flocks will concentrate at good food resources but also because they participate in a lot of social interactions. Storks themselves are monogamous, so they uh, pair for life. And they're very long-lived birds. You know, on average, they might live to be 20 years, and some of them uh, on record as, as nearly reaching 40. So this sort of, you know, social monogamous bird. And as a consequence, it's kind of been associated with, you know, sort of romance and love and pairing for life. 
in Western Europe, we think of these storks as these birds which bring babies. Interestingly, historically, the Greeks uh, seem to think that storks actually stole babies, whereas the Egyptians saw the stork as being related to the soul. So this sort of the storks have this deep sort of cultural significance to us uh, as Europeans. Uh, and also other importances as well. I mean, people used to, the arrival of the storks in spring was seen as a cue for people to plant their vines in southern Europe. They were viewed as a symbol of good luck as well, which is one reason why people would be putting up these big platforms for them to nest, because that might, you know, sort of guarantee you a good harvest. So they're a bird which has been quite intimately associated with, with people for a long time. And I guess something else that's quite interesting about them is that white storks themselves the information we gleaned from them was one of the uh, the main drivers of our knowledge of bird migration. So the Germans encountered what we termed arrow storks. So essentially, some of the white storks, which had been wintering uh, down in Africa, managed to successfully migrate back with arrows embedded within them. Essentially, these birds had been hunted by tribespeople down there, but uh, that hadn't made a, a sort of a fatal blow. And some of these storks had miraculously returned to Europe with these hunting arrows embedded within them, which was essentially proof then to the Europeans that these birds, you know, migrated thousands of kilometers to Africa. If you remember, this was at a time when there was still all sorts of arguments about whether birds migrated or whether, you know, birds like swallows actually, you know, just went and hibernated in the bottom of ponds in winter, etc. So in, important for early ornithologists to, to, to understand the nature and the wonders of migration. <laughs>